This is another interview brought to you by TheBatmanUniverse.net. Hi, this is Stephen Hill, game director on Batman Arkham Asylum. Hi, this is Lee Bermeo. Hi, I'm Brandon Vietti, director of Under the Red Hood. Hi, this is Gail Simone. Hi, this is James Tucker. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hi, this is Bruce Tim. This is Michael Jelinek from The Brave and the Bold. Hi, this is Andrea Romano. Hi, my name's Dan DeDeal. Hi, my name's Claiborne Moore with the CS Moore Studio. Hi, this is Jim Lee. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, it's Sean DiMaggio. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Today we have with us Nunzio Di Flippes and Christina Weir, and they are writing a upcoming arc on Batman Confidential. It's a three-part arc, and it is the first appearance of King Tut in comics. And we know King Tut from the 60s TV show, and they are the writers who are bringing us that character. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. So... I guess the first thing that a lot of people want to know is what what brings King Tut into the comics now, almost 40 years later? Well, you know, we were pitching story ideas to Mike Carlin, and uh, Mike Carlin is about as old school a comic fan as you're going to find. And he, loves, he loves the TV show, he loves the old comics, he, he's a, sort of an encyclopedia, and we pitched an idea to him that just wasn't quite working for him in the form that we had it. It was a Batman and the Riddler team-up to stop a new villain that the Riddler may or may not be responsible for, that he may be creating a situation where Batman needs him just to prove he's smarter than Batman. And we had another, another villain in there, a completely new villain in there, that might have been the Riddler's new disguise, might have been a patsy working for the Riddler. And it was a Sphinx posing Sphinx-like riddles. And he said, if you're going to go with a Sphinx, why not King Tut? And so, being a huge fan of the show myself, and particularly a huge fan of uh, King Tut, I thought that was a great idea, and Christina was along for the ride. I don't think she has the same familiarity with the show that I do. But that was good, because we had to create kind of a new King Tut for this, for this story, because, well, because the old King Tut can't also be the Riddler. There, you know, there's, there's a mystery to ours, what, what the Riddler's up to, so... We got to play around a bit. Have you guys worked with Mike Carlin in the past, or how, how did you guys... Because looking back at some of the things you've worked on, I mean, you've worked on a lot of different things with the new X-Men, and you've guys done a lot of a huge variety of different things in general. I mean, most Yeah, recently, we're all over the map. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, most recently, I noticed you guys adapted the graphic novel for Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which was kind of cool to find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an interesting project, but very different from stuff we've done in the past. And very different from the movie, too. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you guys, were you fans of King Tut? I mean, from the old 60s show? I am. I, I'm not really that familiar with the old TV show. I've seen a couple of episodes, mostly because Nunzio will sit me down and say, you have to see this, uh, when we can find it. You know. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say, you know, it, it, is, it is a great sword in his side that they do not have a DVD box set because he would pay practically anything to own that. A lot of Batman fans are with you, too. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. You know, I know it's different from the Batman of today, and I'm not going to say one is better than the other. It has a huge, huge place in my heart because it's, it's what I grew up with with comics. And, and, and 
they seem to enjoy themselves and that that works for me you know i think they knew it was silly when they were making it and that's all the difference when you think you're being serious and your stuff is silly and and you know and no one can take it seriously then then you look stupid but when you know that it can't be fun then right it's mm-hmm. perfect now now i guess that leads us to the question of can we expect the three part arc to be somewhat campy or is it because based on the solicitation for the the comics it seems as if it's going to be an actual kind of a serious story. We, we did not write it campy at all. We, there are moments that we have fun with. Um, Mostly but, involving the Riddler. Yeah. The, the Riddler mm-hmm. turned into a very, very fun character to write. There are uh, murders taking place, and it's a serious investigation, and so it, it's not written in a campy style. Well, that's the one thing I'm sure some people out there are kind of glad about. Well, you know, it's <laughs> interesting. I think half the fans... The ones who, who really favor the darker Batman of today will be happy about it. And the ones who've been waiting forever for Batman to get closer to what that TV show was will probably be angry at us that we didn't do more of that. But we have to write a story that fits with the Batman of today and the continuity. I mean, even though it's confidential, even though it fits into, a, into the past somewhere, they've not just changed the tone of Batman today. They've said that that's the tone he's had his whole life. He's always been this dark figure. There is, there's no old chum part of his background anymore. Yeah. Even the days, early days with Dick were not. You know, Dick brought some brightness to his life, but he was never goofy like that. Yeah. So we had, we have to be true to that. But uh, I I do think we sort of struck a certain balance because we did, and we're quite proud of this fact, managed to incorporate references to the Steve Martin King Tut song into the into the arc. So. <laughs> There will be something for everyone in there. We literally, we put in the script, and I think we ultimately took it out because you can't put goofy notes like this when you've got Jose Luis Garcia Lopez working on your stuff. Um, but we had in the script, when they go to the, the house where the guy they think might be King Tut lives, we said, this is a condo, and it is made of stona. And, uh, <laughs> and, and they were like, okay, we can't do that. But we do have other comments about it. I, I, they're comments about being buried with a donkey and things like that so well you know i I don't think fans from the 60s will be too mad i mean i think they're actually be pretty happy that king tut is finally coming to comic books after all this time well you know i give them the one disclaimer which is that legally speaking this isn't truly the king tut from the tv show excuse me (laughs) Um, because the same reason that I cannot get those DVDs that I so want, I don't think we're allowed to use William Omaha McElroy. I mean, we asked about, you know, cause there's, a, there's a question of, is this the Riddler or is, this, is it this other guy? And there's another guy out there, and we wanted to put that name on the other guy. But uh, we couldn't, because the rights to that character are tied up. The rights to King Tut, who is a historic figure, are not. So we had to create something new and put in as much homage and sort of loving reference to it as we could. So, right. Mm-hmm. So it, it, we, we walked a very fine line. We wanted to make sure we were not, you know, sticking ourselves in the middle of a legal battle that, as far as I know, doesn't rage, but is in the background every day. So, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know where that is. I just want my DVDs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> One of the other questions that some of the people wanted to know was, Nunzio, you've actually worked on Detective Comics in the past. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, I have. Um, back in Officer Down. 
Yeah. Right. And you guys together have worked on not necessarily a direct Batman title, but worked on some Teen Titans stuff, some Outsiders. So I guess the question is, how familiar are you with the character besides, you know, you guys are, Nunzio, you're a fan of the TV show. As far as the, I guess, backstory of Batman. Oh, we're, we're both huge Batman fans. I, I think uh, Christina's love may be a little bit more focused on Nightwing. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nunzio. Yeah, I've just doubted her. But, um, <laughs> Well, you know, Nightwing no, fans are going to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, so it was a big, a big deal. Because I, I like Nightwing quite a bit, too. I don't want to make it sound like it's all her. But it was a very big deal when we did the, the Outsiders uh, Five of a Kind story because that was her first chance to actually write Nightwing, and that was a lot of fun. I sort of grew up with DC. I mean, we, most of our comic, superhero comic stuff, anyway, was at Marvel with New X-Men. But I grew up as a DC fan, so... All the characters of DC, I know them well. I, I grew up reading them. Christina came to comics later uh, through me and had piles of comics shoved on her, and the ones she gravitated towards were Batman comics. So if we could pick where we would where we'd write in the DC universe, I'd be all over the place, but she would be very focused on the Batman books, mm, except possibly Black that, Canary. That's, that's interesting in general. Now, have you guys ever had any other options to work on anything Batman directly that either it fell through or you know one thing led to another and it just didn't work out? Um, that's the sort of the story of pitching to the big comic publishers is that every every writer you talk to will have stories that fell through. You don't take it personally. It's just the nature of a big business like that. Their decision-making process is slow and sometimes you'll have stories that by the time they get around to approving the story, the context of the story has disappeared. I mean, not in a Batman context, but we did a steel pitch that by the time the machinery of getting the steel story, and this, this was going, it was full steam ahead. It was going to tie into Infinite Crisis. It was, this, this, it was this big thing, and then by the time all the wheels came together on it, Infinite Crisis was over, and he was being pulled in to 52, and the rule, of, rule was that the main characters of 52 could not appear in any other book but 52. So our Steel story was canceled. Yeah. We have stories like that. We never got quite as close on a bad book, unfortunately. There was a point when I was writing alone when Chuck Dixon left Robin where there was discussion after Officer Down of giving me a shot at Robin, and they went another way with it. That's about as close as, as we got just because I had, I'm friends with Pete Woods, and Pete and I had been talking about all sorts of fun things we could do with Robin. So Pete and I were getting geared up to pitch, but the editor had already moved in another direction. So, but that was, I was not very close at all there. It was just discussions. On this issue, were you guys, when you pitched it, did they assign an artist to you, or did you have your choice to pick? They assigned it to us, which, of course, we did not have any complaints because Jose is a great artist, and the pages we have seen are absolutely gorgeous. It's been like Christmas every time we get faxed new, uh, new pages to us. It's a lot of fun to see the story come to life under his pen. One of the things that that meant was we wrote a lot of this a long time ago, and it, it was waiting for Mike to find an artist to pair, it with, you know, to pair us with. And so when he finally got Jose on board and Jose got up to speed, 
it had been quite some time since we wrote it. So we took all the scripts and once we started seeing his art and rewrote it to make sure that it, our words could live up to his art because he's a legend. And as much as we'd like to, to think that we're very skilled, we're not legends. <laughs> not that we're not skilled. You thought I was saying we were not skilled. That's what I thought you were saying, too. <laughs> I was about to get yelled at, guys. <laughs> No, but like, no, you guys are very talented also. Now, Thank you me. said like rewriting this and rescripting it. When was the birth of this idea, really? Oh, oh my gosh, was it a couple of years ago now? Maybe? I think by the time we finished the first draft of the third issue, it was about a year ago. So we had been writing the three issues, so probably between a, a year and a half and a year since we started, since we pitched it, a year and a half maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time because they were they they teased us with the fact that King Tut was going to be appearing in a Batman title last summer, and we're finally going to see it. You know, yeah, next they, week. When, <laughs> when they had when they had Jose on board and they were starting to move forward on that, that's when Mike leaked it out, and I guess he had that DC Nation column that he took over because it seems like everybody's stealing that thing from Dan one week or another. So, <laughs> so yeah, and he teased it, and we were pretty excited because. He had told us who the artist was going to be, and we were excited, and we'd seen some of the preliminary work on it. But he said, we're still going to wait to make sure he's up to speed before we put it on the schedule. And Mike is really, really diligent about giving us information and giving us updates, but he didn't tell us that, the, that it was going to be in DC Nation. So, and I think that was probably intentional. I don't think that was an oversight. I think he wanted us to go to the comic store and be pleasantly surprised when we opened it up and saw our story within it, like being, being hyped by him. So... That was really exciting to see that because we had gotten to the point where it had been, at the, even at that point, so long. We were like, oh, it'll come out someday. And then we saw it and, and we knew. And then there were all these rumors about Confidential as to, you know, its longevity. And, you know, all I can say to that is don't read rumor sites. You know, exactly. just mm-hmm. read your comics and enjoy them. But I did read the rumor sites and I thought, oh, my God, they're going to cancel the book before our story gets in. And <laughs> apparently not. At least we're finally going to get it. I mean... It's been worth the wait. I know when I read about it, I was ex- I was excited. And I know Apple was too, and mm-hmm. it's been it's been worth the wait. And you know, well, I finally, hope so. Anyway. We're get it. <laughs> well, you know, we I am a huge fan of the Riddler as well, and so this was fun for me just because I got to really play with him because the whole thing. I mean, I, in in modern continuity, he's reformed, and he's so this. This whole thing plays out, and that's, that's an example of how long this was. When we wrote this, the Riddler hadn't reformed yet. So when we read about the Riddler reforming in Dean Detective, we contacted Mike and said, this doesn't hurt us, right? Because this whole thing is a mystery. Is he, a good, is, is, is he actually going to help Batman, or did he set this whole thing up? And without giving away which way it ends, we realized it helps us either way. Because if he does help Batman in this story, this sets that up nicely, and if it turns out this is all a Riddler scam. You can it helps us understand why Batman has been a little bit reluctant to accept that the Riddler is genuine these days. Yeah, and that so. actually works out perfectly either way. Also, because Batman Confidential really doesn't follow a whole lot of continuity of the main DC titles or the main Batman titles, I should say. So it's it's kind of interesting the way you put it that it really does kind of coincide with it because that's one thing that Confidential really hasn't been doing lately. You know, we, we, I think we lucked out a little bit because it, it allowed our book to feel, our story to feel like 
it was living up to the purpose of Confidential to shed a light on a piece of backstory that's relevant to the comics today. I think it's been a fun book because it allows people to explore the past and, and play with the different eras of Batman and, and go back and, and see the first time this happened or the first time that happened. But ours actually gets to have a bridge to the present in a way that, that is kind of fun and gives it more relevance. So we're pretty excited about it. Um, like I said, after the initial thought of, did he just answer our question for us or, or, or contradict us or, or what? So... <laughs> We came to it. I know that a lot of fans might not know the origin because of 60 shows. Sometimes they re-air, sometimes they, they don't. With this origin, are you guys going to go in-depth on the origin, or is it going to be up kind of like just pick up from here, maybe like a flashback type thing? Well, I think and ours is an origin story of, of sorts. I mean, he there's some flash flashing back in it, but when he shows up, when this figure shows up, King Tut, it is the first time Gotham has seen this character. Like I said, I, it's hard to, to talk too much without giving away what the Riddler's role is in all of this, but when, when Batman looks into it and he finds a suspect, he goes into the, he figures out the backstory. He starts talking to people who, who know this person, and we start to figure out if this guy is King Tut, if it isn't the Riddler's responsibility, why he would be Tut. And then we play with the fact that is, is he just, is, is he the villain, or is it really a whole scam on the Riddler's part? My question is, after this arc's over, do you guys hope that King Tut is used in comics in the future? We set the story up to allow future use, very much. At the very least, the, the things that we do with the, with the concept, the costume, and the people around him. Again, I could say more, but... I do want to maintain some of the mystery about... Trying to be all cryptic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, it's understandable. I mean, because if I said, yes, Tut will be back, you'll think, well, then he's not the Riddler, is he? But that's, there, there are other factors involved. So, but it is definitely set up to have future storylines. It, it was not done so intentionally because we wanted to take this character and, and put King Tut into the rogues gallery permanently. Now, it'll be up to... I mean, if it were up to me, it would be uh, we would be the next people to write more King Tut, but that's not the way a collaborative medium works. Someone else will have to pick up the ball and run with it, and I'm hopeful someone will. What kind of projects are you guys working on now for the future? We have film and television roots is where we, we come from. We've done a lot of TV and screenwriting, and so in the last year or so, we found ourselves being drawn back to that. So we have a a movie that we're writing for an independent film producer. We wrote a TV movie idea that we sold that unfortunately the network involved is now only doing reality television, so so much for that, but we may take that idea and shop it around to other networks. And then we've got a lot of stuff coming out from Oni, a sequel to our book Past Lies is coming out, a new ongoing series from Oni called Bad Medicine which is uh, about a doctor who investigates things like werewolves and the Invisible Man and things like that, but as a medical phenomenon, try to treat it. So those are the two things, the two big things on the horizon for us in our original manga series, Destiny's Hand, will be wrapping up this year. That's, that's what's coming up for us, other than, obviously, Batman Confidential. Am I missing anything? No, I think that, that covers most of it. We, uh, you know, we always have stuff that we're trying to pursue with, with DC and Marvel, but we don't have anything on the schedule right now. 
Well, I'm hoping that this King Tut one <laughs> explodes a little bit for you guys because I know me and Dustin have enjoyed your guys' writing. And okay. me and Dustin, <laughs> you know, we've been looking forward to this King Tut, especially me because I'm a 66 fan, so I wanted to see your guys' take on King Tut coming into the comic world. Well, we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, we It would be great if more stuff came out of it. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, working on New X-Men, a lot of people came away from it thinking that what we write is teen comic books. And so I like I feel like sometimes comic publishers are going, well, Titans isn't open right now, so we don't have anything for them. But if you look at the stuff we do at Oni, um, Skinwalker, Path Lies, The Tomb, things like that, we try to jump genres as much as we can. So our job at DC has been trying to persuade people that we work in mainstream superhero books or that we will work in darker books that aren't necessarily the lighter fare that was New X-Men. And I think this book, despite having a lot of humor in it, I think it'll fall much more into the traditional superhero storyline. And I think it, working with a high-profile character like Batman and then going a little higher profile by introducing King Todd, I think hopefully it will open some eyes with the editors and, and make them stop thinking of us as the New X-Men writers. That would so. be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I love New X Men, and I'm very proud of it. But it, we don't want our, you know, we don't want to go back to film and TV and have our our stay in comics be defined only by that one book. Yeah. All right. So, Batman Confidential number 26 starts the arc. Comes out on February 11th. Go out there and pick it up. That's the first one in a three-part series. As everyone knows who listens to the podcast, it's a monthly series, so that it'll be going until March and April, and then April will finish up the story. So, I want to thank. You guys for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And we'll see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.